We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast around the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat, and we are talking about a third straight Bulls loss. It seems like just the other day, Jason, we were wondering if the Bulls could go on a four-game winning streak for the first time in Zach Levine's professional career. Well, I think Zach is a lot more comfortable, or a lot more accustomed to, I should say, where the team is right now, and that is on yet another losing streak. The Bulls, the hard luck loser last night, falling to the Memphis Grizzlies 101-90. to This is a game the Bulls led going into the fourth quarter, and then they proceeded to get doubled up by the Grizzlies in the final frame. Grizzlies win the fourth quarter 31-16. to uh, the Bulls did not have Thad Young on the floor. That's something I want to talk about for much of that final frame. Uh, the offense just totally fell apart. I think that, uh, you know, now we have a decent sample of the team post-trade deadline with Vucevic, with Daniel Tice, with Troy Brown, and they're 3-7. and seven. Now, obviously, there have been some extenuating circumstances. Uh, the schedule has been tough, especially those first, you know, four or five games after the trade deadline. They were playing a lot of road games against some of the best teams in the Western Conference. So that was difficult. Uh, obviously, they also haven't had a lot of practice time because the second half of the NBA schedule is so shamelessly condensed, mostly so that the league could fit in all 72 games so they could wrap up uh, before the Olympics start. You saw the injury to Jamal Murray last night. A lot Brutal. of people associating that with the condensed schedule, the wear and tear on the players. Uh, Certainly a lot to think about, a lot to talk about. But, you know, the reality for the Bulls right now is that they're not very good. I feel comfortable (laughs) saying that even after the trade deadline. Uh, I think it's still way too soon to say that the move for Vucevic is a massive failure. Uh, I think it's way too soon to be, you know, critical of the Karnaschovas administration taking over for Garpax. However... It's not off to a good start, and I think that the Bulls have some very real problems right now. And it's just not that the Bulls aren't very good teams. They're just not even – they're not even close to being a very good team. Maybe they have 
the bones of what could be a successful pairing with the Vucevic-Levine two-man game. But, you know, you've just seen this stretch over the first 10 games. They've been pretty brutal. So, uh, Jason, how are you feeling after last night's loss? I know we talked before the game, and both of us were expecting the Grizzlies to win, so I'm sure you're not too surprised. (laughs) But uh, still a, a super frustrating game nonetheless. Yeah, so obviously in that podcast that we did right before the game with we had Michael Pina on and we were just kind of talking about the state of the Bulls. Uh, and I even and I said that you know like I'm pretty at peace with like what happens this season, even though they they've been struggling lately. And like if they wind up in the lottery and they like get lucky, like that would obviously not be terrible. I wouldn't complain about that. That did not stop me from being really annoyed about last night's game because the Grizzlies played like dog shit for three quarters. I mean the Bulls really should have probably blown them out and like not even been in a position where it was close late for the Grizzlies to just take take over. Grizzlies had, had I think they had 20 some turnovers. They had like seven turnovers in the first quarter. The first I mean this was a game where just like both teams I think just were killed. You mentioned the condensed schedule. Bulls were playing the, a fourth game in five nights. I think the Grizzlies were maybe five and seven and it certainly did look like that at the beginning. Like both teams were just a sloppy mess just all over the place. Just couldn't shoot, couldn't hang on to the ball. And there were a few times, though, throughout the game where the Bulls went up nine in the second quarter. They went up eight late in the third quarter. Uh, and just each time, they just kind of coughed it up. Uh, in the in the second quarter, the Grizzlies ended the first half on a 16-6 run to take the lead. Third quarter, Bulls go up eight. Vucevic finally started to get going. And then Kobe White just absolutely uh, disastrous finish to the third quarter. Multiple turnovers, a missed three-pointer. That kind of set the stage for the Bulls to just completely fall apart in the fourth quarter. I think they had... Four, 15 points in the fourth quarter. They missed all 11 threes in the final frame. They, I think they missed their last 15 threes for the game. Again, part of that might have been just the dead legs, end of a road trip, four games and five nights. But for how poorly the Grizzlies played for much of that game, it just it was frustrating to watch the Bulls just kind of not able to take control and then just completely melt down again. And we saw the meltdown happen in Atlanta. We saw the Bulls not able, I wouldn't say they melted down against the Timberwolves, but they uh, they were not able to get over the hump in the fourth quarter against the Timberwolves. So, and I think they mentioned on the broadcast, I haven't looked this up, but I think they mentioned that the Bulls are the second worst fourth quarter team in the NBA this season, something like that. Uh, so, I mean, I guess just like a lot of the same issues, just not able to close games as in the past which is obviously super disappointing, especially given they do have a bit more talent now with Vucevic and Levine. I think some of it is just Levine. I don't know if he's still hurt, tiring out. I mean, his numbers just this month have been just way down. I mean, maybe just regression to the mean, maybe all of the above. Like, his shooting numbers are coming way down. The efficiency is just not there. You, t- you take away, like, the 50-point game. Yeah, like, the numbers just aren't there. The three-point shooting is down. He had some really rough decisions late in the fourth quarter as well yesterday, and Vucevic didn't play that great either. So just, like, collectively, they are struggling. They don't have much practice time. Uh, their best players aren't playing that great. The defense is not is not any good. So, like right now, yeah, I mean the Bulls just aren't any good. Uh, and like I, I, I said, I as, as I said yesterday, like I'm not panicking. Uh, I don't feel like horrible about the future state of the team. I do, as we've said m- multiple times, like this roster is very incomplete. I mean, just I mean, just look at even moving past Zach and Vooch, uh, Larry Markkinen, zero points. Uh, Kobe White was terrible, as I kind of as I mentioned. Patrick Williams, two points. He had a long stretch uh, over a couple games where he did not score. Sadaransky was absolutely terrible. Uh, I think he had two points. So when all these guys, when your stars are struggling, your role players are kind of just doing absolutely nothing. Uh, just not pretty. And the Bulls have a game where they should win against the Magic on Wednesday. And if they don't, if they lose that one, that's really bad. But right now, they're just kind of in a rough place right now. Really trying to figure out what what they are, where they are, with little. 
schedule, this weird condensed schedule where uh, injuries are piling up across the league. There's, again, there's not much practice time and to build the chemistry with, and really just like kind of uh, own hone in on the sets and the schemes and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we're just kind of seeing it. It's a big, a big struggle. For sure. So a few main problems. I was going to bring up Zach struggling, so I'm glad you touched on that. He just hasn't been the same player yeah. since the trade deadline. Now, part of that might be because of, might be because of the ankle injury. Levine had not missed a game the entire season before he sat out just one with that nagging ankle injury. I understand why Levine wanted to continue to be in the lineup. I think that he wanted to be out there. Uh, you know, just he just sort of has like a warrior mindset, like a lot of professional athletes. Uh, they want to play in every game they're capable of playing. And I think there was added pressure because he wanted to start to develop that chemistry with Vucevic. And he was probably really excited about the new additions on the team. But when they were on that West Coast swing, man, I was saying it at the time, Levine should have just shut it down. Sit down for at least a week, a week and a half, because this the part of the schedule that they're in right now, this is when they needed Zach to be cooking. And Zach is not cooking. In the last 10 games, uh, his shooting numbers, you know, he's hitting 31% of his threes on eight and a half attempts per game, 44% from the field. His numbers have been much better than this throughout the season. And so now they're starting to decline. You can wonder if it's regression to the mean. You can wonder if it's because of the injury. But for the Vooch trade to really work out and for the Bulls to take the next step uh, as being, you know, sort of a decent, actual, somewhat semi-contender in the Eastern Conference, they need Zach to be the guy he was in the first half of the season. So that hasn't happened yet. The next problem with this team, I think, is that they're so imbalanced towards the front court. And I swear to God, Jason, this is a problem with the Bulls all the time, dating back to Joe Kim Noah, Taj Gibson, Omer Sheik, Carlos Boozer. Then you could go to, uh, you know, when they had Miritich, Markin, and Portis. They're always so imbalanced with front court guys, and that's been the case again. Right now, the Bulls probably have four good NBA players. I feel comfortable saying that. It's Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic. Fad Young, and Daniel Tice. So if those are your four best players, three of them are basically centers. And then you have Levine. So you're just not capable of playing all these guys at the same time. They tried that with Lowry Markinen, and man, is this damning for Lowry Markinen when I'm saying that you know, three of the four best players on the team are power forwards or centers. That's Markinen's position, and he is not included in this group because Lowry Markinen has been absolutely brutal since the All-Star break. He's been pretty disappointing the entire year. I think, uh, you know, as time goes on, it just looks like more and more of a mistake that the Bulls weren't able to trade him at the deadline. Uh, but, you know, one of the big problems with this team is that, like, they can't move Thad Young to the three. They can't move Tice to the two. They need a more balanced roster instead of having all these guys with limited versatility because at the end of the day, they're bigs. And I think that that's one problem you're really seeing with the team right now. Garrett Temple should not be making or breaking your roster, <laughs> but he is because they have no one else to play on the wing. Then you factor that in with Patrick Williams pretty evidently hitting the rookie wall. I think he went, what, like 50 minutes without scoring a point? Something like that. <laughs> he looks pretty hesitant when he gets the ball in his hands. I got some ideas on sort of how they can leverage Patrick for the rest of the season. But, you know, he's second youngest player in the league. He started every game. I think that development is going to pay off long term. But 
right now he really looks like he's a shaky confidence guy, especially as a catch-and-shoot threat. And for the Bulls, I think that that is kind of a problem. I also want to point the blame a little bit at Billy Donovan because Donovan has said several times, including in the press conference last night, I believe, that he doesn't want Patrick Williams taking – Uh, mid-range jump shots. Now, Patrick Williams on the season has taken a ton of mid-range jump shots per cleaning the glass. uh, I actually just pulled up the wrong numbers. Am I going to have it now? All right. Per cleaning the glass, he is, his frequency in terms of mid-range attempts is in the 83rd percentile. So that's how often he's taking shots from the mid-range. He's in the 90th percentile on long mid-range attempts. Now, of course, we all know you don't want to be taking long twos. Patrick Williams takes a lot of long twos. He's also in the 82nd percentile in long two accuracy. So he's a really good shooter on those long twos. Uh, Per cleaning the last, he's 48% on long twos, 34 of 71 on the year. That's the 82nd percentile. In terms of all mid-range shots on the year, he's 41% from the field, which is in the 65th percentile. So to me, like, of course, when you're fully optimized and you're trying to win a championship, you don't want Patrick Williams taking a bunch of mid-range shots. But guess what? He's 19. He needs to get all the confidence he can. And, you know, I feel like every time... We watch a Bulls game now. It's Stacey King just saying, Pat's got to be more aggressive. Pat's got to be more aggressive. <laughs> like, it's not just about aggression. It's about, like, picking your spots in a smart way. And I don't think making Patrick Williams stand in the corner and be a catch-and-shoot guy is really the best way to leverage him. I'm totally fine with Pat taking a bunch of mid-range shots as a rookie because, first of all, those shots actually have more value in high-leverage situations. Someone like Kawhi Leonard is probably the best example. It takes a huge diet of mid-range shots in the playoffs, led the Raptors to a championship doing it. Uh, and second of all, I just feel like at this point in Pat's career, you just want him to find success at the things where that he's already good in and confident in. So obviously that's mid-range. The dude's taken, you know, he's in the 90th percentile or whatever in mid-range frequency. So let him shoot his mid-range shots. We know he's he's making them. It's not like he's a brutal mid-range shooter. So that's been a little frustrating to me too. And then, Jesus, man, the defense. Like last night was not the best distillation of how poor the Bulls' defense is because the Grizzlies just couldn't fucking make a shot to save their lives. But the defense has been brutal. The guard defense is what is really sad, uh, especially when it's Levine and Kobe both in there. Kobe is just totally lost. Levine can fight and compete sometimes, but at the end of the day, he's pretty skinny. Uh, he's just never going to be a plus defender, certainly. And, uh, you know, Sadoransky last night, 22 minutes, one for five from the floor, two he points. He was terrible. Yeah. Uh, he was absolutely he was brutal last night and his sort of uh inability to handle a high volume of offensive possessions really limits the team i think especially when levine and vucevic are attracting a lot of defensive attention sederanski should be a little more competent defensively but uh you know he hasn't really made a big impact on that end then you factor in just the total lack of wings as i mentioned earlier on the misbalance of the roster and this team is a lot of problems they're not any fucking good right now dude and they are going to make the play-in tournament i would be pretty surprised if they beat the if they beat the pacers in that first play-in game and then you got to win a game likely against either the knicks or the celtics uh 
there's still some time left for the Bulls to get it together, but given how ridiculous the schedule is for every single team in the league, it's such a rush to the postseason. They should have said, fuck the Olympics. We don't fucking care about the Olympics. We're going to extend the season a little further. Instead, they're cramming in, you know, four games a week for every team at least. Um, yesterday, I think, like, more than half the teams on the schedule were playing three games in four nights or something. So uh, it is troubling. But yeah. I'm not going to freak out. They're just not very good. Yeah, I mean, the Patrick Williams stuff, I think definitely – Rookie Wallace got to be playing. I mean, just the fact that he has been starting all year and playing like decent minutes, and just like and this when you brought up Stacey King, like and the like the aggressive stuff, like he, I think there's definitely a point to that. He also does annoy me talking about him like Patrick Williams has got to be the third option. Like that's just asking way too much from. Like he doesn't have to. He needs to be more aggressive, but like the third, the third option stuff. I think Stacey's really got to chill out on that. Like just that's just way too much expecting too much. I mean, the guy's like not scoring any points at all. Now you're like, oh, he's got to be like the third option. Like, no, he does not. Just like. He does have to take the mid-range shots. Like he, he's he's good at them. Like it's, it's not like he's tossing a bricks in there. So greed there. He just seems to. I just a lot of these guys just seem to just like just be so unsure of themselves. I mean Sato as well passing up shots. They just I, I don't know like the confidence just like the again with maybe just some of the chemistry issues where they're just like not totally sure about being in the right places, making the right plays with some of these new guys. Like it's just uh, it's just been really bad. And uh, I mean I guess I guess I will. Uh, address here Kevin's comment about Daniel Tice like Daniel Tice was great last night he's he's been terrific Daniel Tice has been awesome he looks really good he's like one of the few like dogs Uh, I know we used to like make fun of like Chris Dunn for talking about like how much he's a dog on defense but like the Bulls really don't have anybody like that anymore uh besides like Tyson like and Troy Brown Jr. has been trying I don't know if he's actually any good but like at at least he tries and like so like Billy's been trying him to play him playing him a lot more minutes because they're just like with temple out as well like there are just like no good option good wing defense options like so you're throwing troy brown out there and like john morant and like i said i thought he did okay like john didn't have like a huge game but like in the fourth quarter i mean him and jonas valentinus kind of just destroyed the bulls so like like was the bulls just they couldn't really get any stops when the, when the grizzlies kind of started finally making some shots so like uh yeah i mean there's still again so they just don't have enough like good players you mentioned there's like four good players uh, and there's like half of good players kind of across the across the rest of the roster, but like not like overall any good. And just like all, a lot of these guys, I mean, again, like Sato hesitant, Patrick Williams hesitant, Kobe seems totally lost right now. Lowry, same thing. I mean, Lowry, Lowry's over his last three games has taken what like like eight shots total. Like I mean, and he scores zero points yesterday. Like how does that how does that even happen? I, I know Lowry has we've we've criticized Lowry and like. Uh, like for not doing other stuff, but like he has been a relatively efficient scorer at least when he gets shots up. The last few games, he's not even getting shots up, not taking advantage of smaller defenders. Hesitant, also hesitant on some like possible three point attempts, just like not really doing enough to get open. Uh, like you could blame that on teammates, you can blame that on him. But the pro- I guess a problem with him is that he just needs teammates, and maybe that's where like having a better point guard would help him a lot, probably. But he needs to be set up to score, and right now that just like the point guard play has been so poor. He's just not getting any open looks, so he just does does absolutely nothing at all. So just a lot of guys just really struggling, really hesitant, uh, and it's just making for a really bad product right now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Kevin mentioned what's going to cost to re-sign Tice. At least he tries hard. Yeah, Tice is awesome. And I ha- I don't have the numbers in front of me. We should look them up on the Tice-Vooch two-man pairing because, you know, I guess hypothetically, I don't love playing two bigs at the same time. But given the fact that Vooch is so willing to fire from threes, basically a legitimate floor spacer. I don't. I guess I don't mind having those two guys out there together. Tice uh, can shoot a bit too, as well. He hasn't that, that been great. He missed all three of his threes yesterday, I think. But like he is, he's at least willing to shoot. He's a decent three point shooter. Yeah. So I would, I would be decent with bringing him back on that. But uh, yeah, like I've heard from some people that the Bulls should prioritize bringing back Tice over Markinen. At this point, I would say that's an absolute no brainer. Like, marketing can't be on the team next year. And even if you have to lose the asset for nothing, uh, that's fine. Just It'll be addition by subtraction. Let him I go. Mean, get him out of here. He's got to go. Tice, I would retain if they can. Yeah, I know there are some, there are some like, I think some weird, like, just with the way, with cap space and with, with his contract set up that, it might be kind of tough to do it depending on what kind of offers he gets, but I don't think they should at least try. Because again, I mean, they just need that kind of the toughness, the rim protection. That's the guy, the kind of guy they need. I mean, this kind of addresses Shane's question, which we'll also address a bit later. Like, what, what, how do they help the defense in the offseason? I, mean, I think keep, keeping Daniel Tice would probably at least be a start. I know they're not good defensively now with him, but like, he's at least a start there as a backup five, a guy you can play with Vooch as well. All right. You want to talk about how to improve the defense in the off season. You need two things. One, you need a big defensive guard. Yeah. Because if you're going to have Levine and you're going to re-sign Levine, obviously you need a strong defensive complement to him in the backcourt. Ideally, that guy can also handle your primary playmaking duties. Now, if you're talking about guys who check both of those boxes, it's a relatively small number of players in the league. And most of them are probably stars. So I think that like getting someone like Sato was the right idea, but Sato's just not good enough to right. be the full-time point guard complement next to Levine. But that's the first thing you need. If you want to talk about the defense being better, you need to be better at the point of attack. You need to have a big defensive complement in the backcourt next to Levine. We can debate who that guy is, but 
you know, that would be the first thing I would look for. And then they just need some damn wings, dude. They got no wings on this entire team. And when they traded Porter, that took away whatever semblance of wing depth they had. They're playing Troy Brown. I'm glad they're playing Troy Brown. He's had some moments. Uh, Honestly, I would rather see Troy Brown play guard. And I'd rather see Patrick Williams play power forward. So they need, like, a lot of wings on this team. They probably need two wings. Uh, We'll see what happens with Temple. But, you know, the wing depth on this roster is atrocious. Valentine is a huge waste of space. He never should have been on this team at all. They did not need to bring him back. That deserves to be a strike against Karnaschovas and Eversley. Uh, you know, Archie Diacono, Felicio, these guys are just wasting roster spots. Get them out. Find some wings. Find some guys who can actually defend on the wing. Because right now, they don't have anyone, and that's what's truly killing them. If you're going to build a team around Levine and Vucevic, you better be able to defend at the three other positions on the floor, right? You better yeah. be able to have guys who can at least space the floor, if not create their own shot, around them. Uh, around their two-man game and right now the Bulls just don't have that setup so uh, yeah that's what's so frustrating to me and then you know the one other thing I want to talk about was Kobe Kobe what is really a bummer about Kobe's season is that he hasn't gotten any better if you look at his per 100 possession numbers on basketball reference or if you look at you know the advanced stats there uh, the per 36, whatever it is, he's a worse player than he was last season. The only area he's better in is two-point field goal percentage, where he went from 43% as a rookie to 47.5%. I do think that's pretty impressive. Like, next year, if he could continue that trajectory, he can make 50% of his twos. I do think that that would go a long way towards making him a decent player, but First of all, he's just going to need to get significantly better as a three-point shooter. He's already taking almost half his shots from three. That's good. But he's got to be closer, like, basically a 40% three-point shooter to be really effective. Right now, he's at 34%. The three-point percentage is tanking. Uh, He was at 35% last year. And then the only other area that he's up from last season's stats per 100 possessions is he's getting a couple more assists per game. Uh, But it's not enough. I mean, clearly the guy misses so many open passers or so many open passes uh, during the course of games. He does it in transition. He does it in the half court against the set defense. He can't read the floor. And I don't know how you go into the offseason and say, yeah, what we're going to do is improve this guy's ability to read the floor. Part of me does hope that, uh, you know, just all the reps that he's gotten this year, a point guard, in just all the situations he's seen in front of him will make him better going forward. And I think, you know, you got to take your lumps uh, with experience. And Kobe did hopefully get a lot of experience this year. But the fact that he was, you know, he was all right as a 19-year-old rookie, but then has made no improvements as a 20-year-old is really a bummer. And then it's like, what is Kobe going to be doing this offseason to make him a better basketball player? Because I don't know like what sort of individual skill work he needs to do or what sort of film work he needs to do, but he's got to be able to become a better three-point shooter. That's first and foremost. He's got to tighten his handle as well. <laughs> tighten his handle, absolutely. And it's more. It's, the most important thing is just reading the floor to me. Yeah. I don't know how you improve that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that is obviously just like innate – vision passing ability he just does not seem to have that which is okay 
But when you like, you need he need you need to at least be able to make like pass the first read. Like we've seen Zach get better at making some of these reads over the course of his career. Like I don't think we can ever expect Kobe to be like high level point guard. But you at least need to be competent. And like right now, Kobe is like for the most part, if he's like if he's not hitting shots, I mean he's just a disaster to watch out there. I mean just dribbling the ball like off his foot. Uh, he had a couple passes yesterday that wound up being baskets, but like just they were deflected like right into Daniel Tice's or like Tice basically saved him from two turnovers and they turned into baskets. One of them like was deflected off the ba- off the backboard into Tice's hands for a dunk. But I mean, close to a couple turnovers. I mean, and again, I mentioned that third quarter, just a couple brutal turnovers, just like terrible, just like general awareness of what he's doing. And again, it is he is so young, and like you said taking those lumps. And I don't want to like be totally out on the guy. There, I think, as we've said, there still is some value there, but it's like there's just that just like natural ability to like you, like you said, read the floor. That kind of vision just does not seem to be there with him, which leads you to believe he's never going to be like that high level playmaker. You just hope he can get to a point where he's at least like competent, as I said, and then if he can improve that three point percentage. Uh, obviously, the defensive end is a problem. I, I did not, I did not think he was this bad defensively last year. I don't know what's going on, but it's like he is just a train wreck. He dumb fouls. He doesn't fight through screens. Uh, like you meant the Zach Kobe defensive duo has been absolutely atrocious this year. So like, there's just, yeah, he just like hasn't really gotten better and, and, and really any aspect. And that's been super disappointing. And like, this was supposed to be an, be an evaluation year and he got a lot of time to start. Uh, and now he's just kind of floundering, which is just, again, just super disappointing. Cause I think after, after, especially after that run that he had out of the all-star break last season, like a lot of people, uh, I think, I mean, that might have been just a small sample size hot trick, but I think that at least got people a bit more excited about Kobe White. And to, he just hasn't replicated really that at all. He's had a few really big shooting games, but uh, just no consistency. And just and lately, he's just been flat out bad. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if anyone wants to join us on stage for a comment or question, uh, just request to speak, and you can jump on stage with us. Uh, Josh asked in the comments, "Would Mike Conley be too smaller outside of our price range?" I think that Conley would probably be a pretty decent fit he wouldn't solve one of the things the bulls need which is just another guy to get to the rim uh but there's probably there's worse options out there for sure at least Conley knows how to run a team i think he could maybe have uh sort of be like a poor man's chris paul in the sense of you know just filling the bulls biggest need for a veteran point guard i think he would be able to like organize the offense give him some spot up and pull up shooting so i would be fine with Conley. he probably wouldn't be my first choice i don't know if they would even be able to acquire him uh what it would take to get him out of utah but i think Conley would be decent uh kev thanks for joining us man what's going on how you feeling about the team right now um i don't feel great about where they're at today um, but I think that, well, I think a couple of things, I think that they look worse than they should because Billy's rotations have been, uh, pretty bad. I did a tweet about that today. Uh, I tried to come up with the optimal, uh, bulls lineups, uh, <laughs> for going forward. Basically I had three guiding principles, which was that, um, Zach or Vooch should be on the floor at all times. Uh, that Kobe and uh, Lowry should not be allowed to play with Vooch because whenever those two, uh, either of those two guys has been on the floor with Vooch, it's been a defensive disaster. Uh, granted, small sample size, but uh, also jives with what you would expect. And um, the other, I think, 
there was one other rule, but it's escaping me now. In any case, Billy Donovan has not has not done the best job of uh, managing the rotation. And oh, the last was just having lineups that made sense. So things like uh, <laughs> Lowry at the uh, Lowry at the three uh, were not things that I was I was willing to do just to give him minutes. Um, in any case. I think the rotation's not been great, so I think that they've probably left some uh, some money on the table, uh, as it were, when it comes to that. But I think the one thing that I want to say is that, like, you know, it stinks, and like, I think we're all disappointed that they haven't turned it around uh, more quickly um, in the you know post Vooch uh, trade era. But like, I see some people melting down and being like, they traded away, you know, their whole future for um, for a thirty year old. Uh, you know, player or whatever. And I think it's just like premature to say all that one. I don't think they really traded away their future because they did protect themselves in the event that like they end up jumping into the top four, um, in both cases. So, you know, in the case where they would actually have a chance to get a difference maker in the draft, uh, they still will have that opportunity um, I don't really think that in most drafts, like outside of the top four, you're going to get like a star player. And really, that's the only pl- that's the only reason that a team in a market like Chicago should be worried about the draft is trying to get star players, uh, because uh, realistically, rotational players should be relatively easy to get. And they are relatively easy to get if you build a winning situation. Um, so, you know, worry about having a, a, a very top pick or you know, the draft is not as important. No offense, Ricky. I know you spend a lot of time about the, on the draft. And the other part that they gave up was just Wendell Carter. And he's just not that good. And I know people want to continue to believe in him. But, like, he's probably going to top out as an average starting center in the league, which is, like, perfectly useful player. But also the distinguishing between, like, an average starting center and, like, a replacement level center um, is not that huge, and we got a player that actually, you know, makes an impact today and might, uh, um, you know, make us a bit more attractive going forward as a free agent destination and also will help us uh, retain our best player so we don't end up losing Zach for nothing. Yeah, that's totally fair to me. Uh, that's uh, I've kind of said that yesterday. Kind of said that today. Just like not panicking, like and, like any like these early. Uh, thoughts about the Vooch trade like being a disaster. I was not not really into that. I'm trying to stay optimistic about it. I think it's reasonable to be somewhat optimistic about it. Other Kevin, let's uh, get your take here, your thoughts. So I'm actually sitting here in the Minneapolis airport after attending the game on Sunday and then with a bunch of things in the world unfolding yesterday. And one of the things I really noticed is that Zach is having a difficulty dealing with the tough whistle I think he's getting. He's not getting to the line as much as he should, but he's been really expressive in the last couple weeks or so, especially since the All-Star break, with the way he's not getting calls, and it's really affected the team defense. There's a lot of times where he's not getting back, and it's causing defensive switches that obviously lead to mismatches and points, or he'll get back on time, but he'll be standing straight up and down with his arms by his side, and then they'll throw a skip pass over his head, and he can't close out in time. Have you guys noticed something similar, or am I just seeing things like I guess I'll start with this one. I think I have noticed that. He just has not been getting many calls. I think he did take a lot of free throws was it yesterday or another game. Uh, but, yeah, he's definitely been frustrated just in general. I think just with his just not getting calls, he has been struggling with his shooting. Uh, and I think the team in general, I think, has been frustrated the last two days. I think 
was it was it last game or was it maybe the Timberwolves game? I was even like, I think someone's about to get teed up just because they were uh, not they were clearly not pleased with the refs. I think that was actually the Timberwolves game where they were like getting down in the third quarter and they were looked like they were about to fall apart. They started they broke they came back a little bit, but I think that is actually a definitely a reasonable point there. I feel like Zach has been frustrated just with his play with the refs and not getting that call. Uh, not getting calls. Uh, there was, I mean, there was a play last night where I know I tweeted about him like driving the basket, and clearly getting bumped, not getting the call. And I think, I think they did go back the other way, and like they got like a wide open transition three or something like that. So I think that is definitely uh, at least legitimate. I'm not one to like complain about the refs too much. Like, I don't want, that's not the reason why the Bulls are not winning games. But uh, I do think that Zach has just been getting more and more frustrated in general. And I do think the lack of calls has kind of played into that. Yeah, I think that's a great observation. Thanks for uh, jumping on, Kevin. Thanks for saying that. Uh, lack of calls, definitely. And, like, you just got to be a next play player, right? Like, Vucevic, yeah. I've noticed, really complains a lot, too. Yeah. On the floor. Obviously, when you're a center, you're getting hit quite a bit, uh, especially when you're playing Jonas Valanciunas. He's one of the most physical guys in the league. But, yeah, you got to brush it off, man. You got to be a next play player, and uh, that's something that's going to continue to affect him. What's going on, Justin? Thanks for jumping on. Uh, how are you feeling about the team right now? Um, see, I was never really sold on the, uh, the pairing of um, Levine and Vucevic. But um, just kind of seeing their last couple games, I've seen some flashes of them potentially being a good team. You know, looking at that game against Atlanta, um, they had a, a few runs where, you know, you can kind of see, you know, if they get the offense flowing, um, they can be a pretty exciting team to watch. Um, same thing with the game yesterday um, against Memphis. Um, they had some spurts in there where, you know, Tice was kind of getting into rhythm. Um, Vucevic, he started off slow. Um, he kind of got going a little in the third quarter, but they just kind of struggled um, closing. I think, I mean, of course, I mean, like you guys talked about, um, the wing depth, um, they definitely definitely need wing depth um, because right now um, they probably have the worst group of role players in the league right now. Um, so, yeah, so wing depth is going to be important, you know, if they want this parent to work. Um, and Patrick Williams, he's going to have to step it up, of course. And um, I think they're going to have to uh, do something, you know, as far as with Kobe White, maybe seeing if they can find a team that's willing to trade for him where they can maybe get a somewhat decent wing. I think I've seen something where um, they were saying that they should maybe look into uh, reaching out to Atlanta and maybe trade him for, you know, Cam Reddish. I don't know how um, Atlanta, you know, w- would think about that, seeing that they have Bogdanovich. They have Trey Young, so they have a lot of scoring. So I don't think that'll be a need that, you know, of course, uh, that they're looking for, you know, in Kobe White. But they should definitely start putting him on the trade block um, in the offseason. Yeah, how about Kevin Herter from Atlanta, too? That's another six seven wing shooter. Uh, they got Reddish to that position. They got, like you said, Bogdanovich they signed. Maybe Kobe could fill their Lou Williams void long term. So, yeah. Those were some good points. Uh, totally agree on shopping Kobe. I think that, yeah, someone like Herter would be really good. I think if you could potentially get him. Uh, in, in terms of, like, you not being initially super high on the Vucevic trade, I think that's totally fair. And while I did talk myself into it, when I was doing my grades for SBNation.com, I gave the Magic an A and the Bulls a B, just because I thought the Bulls still had a lot of work to do. Clearly, they do still have a ton. Yeah ton of work to do so thankfully they have a front office now that is going to be super aggressive and they are going to be looking for every opportunity 
uh, they can get to make the team better, good, because they need that. The team is not particularly close to being uh, competitive right now. So I am liking the fact that, uh, you know, they just were aggressive with making that move. Now, time will tell uh, whether Vucevic was the right guy to target. And I said this yesterday, too. The one thing that I really hope they didn't do is listen to Billy Donovan on the trade because like at the end of the day, like I think Donovan's still a good coach. I like Donovan still, but most of these NBA head coaches are replaceable. So I hope that Donovan like didn't tell Karnashovas, Hey, like let's trade a couple future draft picks, get Vucevic in here because Donovan's opinion shouldn't really matter. It's just like what kind of team Karnashovas wants to build long-term. And I could see a scenario where we're sitting here this time next year and we're like, well, that Vucevic trade fucking sucked. Like, that might end up being the case. But I think it's too soon to say that. And I think the important thing is that the Bulls aren't really locked into this group necessarily. I think that, you know, just the fact that they turned over the roster so much at the trade deadline shows that they aren't just going to settle into this group, that I think they're going to be continually looking to make the team better uh, at every opportunity. Uh, what up, Mort? Thanks for joining us, man. How you feeling? Hey, guys. Well, I, I'm slightly frustrated watching those games. Uh, I will say as much, though, uh, given that Karnaschovas is running the team now, I, I have to assume the Bulls are going to be acquiring more Euro players. So you should prepare yourself for more players who are just bitching at the refs. That's kind of our <laughs> MO. That's what we do. That's that's our rep. That's our whole thing. Just look at Luca. That's never going to end. That's just a thing. Um, one of the things I actually wanted to talk to you guys about is the perceived trade value of Kobe White. Because when I reach out to you know non-Bulls guys, I actually, much to my surprise, uh, I met with a certain level of optimism uh, about his game, which you know c- catches me off guard. I watch the Bulls with high regularity, and I see the same things that you are seeing. What are are we maybe undervaluing his uh, league wide trade value? You think? I have no idea. I mean, he's just been like so bad lately. We're just, I think we're just like so down on him watching him. We're just like. Like on a nightly, us watching him on a nightly basis, just like this guy is just like brutal, and like how like you can't imagine like anybody would actually like want to trade anything of value for him. But I mean, you do have to remember again that like he is whatever twenty one now, twenty twenty one years old. He is still so young; it can take some time for this cut for a point guard to, to develop like this. So, I mean, maybe uh, there are other teams that would still believe in his ability to develop into a good point guard, or just they they saw what happened last year and he had that run of games after the break where he went off. And that he can be a really good just microwave score and stuff like that. So like maybe just other teams that just like don't see him up close all the time and just like watch him all the time. Maybe they like they just like that just leads them to not be as down on him as we are right now, just because we watch every game and we just see how much he's been struggling. But uh, uh, I mean, he still is again only in his second year, so maybe there's just, there's just still just kind of that uh, that shine of just like the potential on there so maybe i don't know it, it, it is super weird i mean we we had this kind of kind of conversation with like lowry last off season uh and now we're having it again with kobe white now so it's just kind of a weird spot uh with these guys i think i want this kevin herter trade that i just brought up because to me it seems like he's someone the hawks are likely to move off of uh come draft time i could see them flipping him so I don't know. Kevin, Mort, what do you guys think of, uh, of, of a potential Kevin Herter acquisition? I wouldn't mind it. 
I actually wouldn't mind. I think he's a good player. I wonder, though, if the Hawks are in a different mindset. I think they're looking maybe at a consolidation trade more so. So it, it ha- they have probably have to yeah. figure out what they're doing. I, I have this sneaky suspicion that they are one of those under-the-radar Beal targets kind of way because like they have so many bodies and draft picks or whatever they can throw their way. So that could be interesting. At which point, I think if you then pivot on to Kobe White, something horribly has has happened. Um, but no, I, I would love that trade uh, for Chicago. I think Herter provides them with some some toughness, some athletic ability, some shooting. He doesn't really solve the league guard issue, but I, I don't know if that's even solved via a Kobe White trade. Well, how, what about you, Kev? What are you th- your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm good with anything that. Uh... You know, uh, Kobe seems like a nice kid, but I, I just anything that gets him uh, off of my screen and so that I don't have to watch him anymore um, on a regular basis would be would be great. Uh, I just um, I've been very down on his value, uh, and you know it's it's encouraging more that you're saying that uh, other people that maybe watch him less um, still buy into what what he could be. I just uh, so really, you know, if you get anything, uh, if you get any kind of useful player back for him, I think that that's, uh, something that we should do. Um, I just, I don't know to Mort's point, uh, if, if they, you know, Herder isn't part of a, a larger package rather than kind of a one for one player swap. And, uh, um, I'm not, I not like the biggest Travis Schlenk fan, so, uh, maybe he, he would buy into Kobe, but. Um, I don't know. I, I really have a very hard time gauging what people think of uh, Kobe White right now because I can't see anything beyond uh, the guy that constantly screws up all the time every time I watch him. Yeah, I think a good point to remember on this too is like, you know, Mort saying that he's having conversations with people who would be uh, higher on Kobe White's future than we are who watch the team all the time. Same fucking thing could have been said about Lowry Markinen, right? Like, I think Lowry Markinen, uh, after his second year, after his third year, could have had some real trade value. So there is a danger in holding on to these guys too long. That's why I wanted Markinen gone before the season even started, let alone the trade deadline. So, yeah, this could be the peak of Kobe White's value. Flip him if you can, man, especially if, you know, just given the lack of improvement he showed in year two, like, flip him. Yeah, right, I, one, one, one final question, just in terms of Kobe there. Would you guys be willing to sacrifice him in a deal just to get uh, Alpha Rook and Mino? So, like, using him as a salary dump? Yeah, I, I, I know. would be pretty brutal. It's, it's not attractive, but <laughs> I, I – look, my, my, kind of, uh, my thought on this is, is if it provides the Bulls with enough cap space to do the negoti- renegotiate and extend with Levine – that has to be priority number one, right? So if that actually helps them complete that, I would call it a win. But I understand. It's a t- um, so I think I would look at that slightly differently. I think if you can, are dumping him, uh, if you're able to get off the salary um, for Kobe and uh, Aminu, um, and Kobe is sort of like the, the young prospect that, allows you to dump 10 million dollars worth of amino if you and then whatever kobe salary is like uh i think he he makes like seven million dollars or something like that um 
Seeks or something like that. Yeah, if you're able to then turn around and use that, you know, 16 or so million dollars that you've gotten off of by making that trade to go sign somebody, um, like a, a live, actually good player, um, to to go into the rotation, maybe, a, you know, another rotational quality wing, uh, since, you know, as the, the guys were saying earlier, the Bulls were, were really lacking in that department. I think I would be into it in that case. Yeah. But to, to extend Levine, um, you know, I, I want to keep Zach around, but the sign and extend thing, um, I, I understand the wanting the security of getting that done uh, and, and not having the ability for Zach to go to free agency. But I just think that that would maybe not be in terms of building the team the optimal way to use that space because if you're able to get more quality players um, around Zach, I think that that makes it more palatable to then turn around um, and have him stay with the team as opposed to just giving him the money now. And because I mean, I, I know you know Zach is like anybody. I, I think he wants the money, but I, I also think Zach is tired of losing. Um, so I think getting uh, real guys with that money as opposed to just inflating Zach's salary um, would be the route that I would want to go with it um, with the thought that, you know, Zach, we are going to pay you everything that we can pay you as, as soon as we're able to, but we're not going to do it right now because we're trying to build a better team around you. He's and we only gonna, have cap space for so long. He's not going to take it anyway. Right. Because he'll get more a year later. Am I correct about that? Yeah, I, I would guess. Yeah, especially like if the the year the way the year is going now, uh, yeah, I feel like he's going to play for that five year deal in twenty twenty two. Like wait, maybe wait, if wait, they would have been like they would have actually made a big jump this year, and like that would have maybe convinced him to do it this year. But yeah, I think he might need to see a little bit more. Like I, someone asked me today on Twitter, just like, are you like worried at all about Zach possibly leaving? Like I think you have to consider that. Like if. Bulls suck next year. If, if they do kind of, yeah, basically, if they come out next year and like they're not good, like, I guess why would he stay? I mean, I, I, obviously the Bulls can pay him more than anybody else, but like, and maybe they still would just put the five-year big offer on the table. But like, the Bulls disappointing again next year. Like, I certainly not would not blame him if he wanted to leave and go somewhere else where he can be on a winning team. He's a, he's a seven-year pro now, so he does he is eligible after this season for the 30%, if I'm not mistaken. But I don't know if you were referring, Ricky, to whether or not if he made his second All-Star team, does that increase his max? Um, I'm not sure. I'd have to look into like what his situation is. I feel like I've seen that like if he makes All-NBA this year, that he's eligible oh, right. for a Supermax. Yeah, that's true. Something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like in general he probably will be. I would be surprised if he took the if the Bulls did try to do the extend or then renegotiate and extend. I feel like I would be surprised if he if he took it because I think he would just at this point would probably want to hit unrestricted free agency and then either the Bulls give him that big offer in 2022 or if the Bulls suck again. Maybe he actually does look elsewhere and then the Bull who knows what the Bulls are doing then. But I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird spot with the Bulls kind of just like sucking right now. And they obviously made the trade. I think to, to match up the timelines with Zach. I think they do probably want to keep Zach around, but uh, again, there's incomplete and they just have so much more work to do. Um, we've been going for a while here. We should probably wrap it up here. Uh, yeah. I, I will say though, that uh, to, before we wrap up here, that uh, Thaddeus Young did go on uh, on the NBC Sports Chicago podcast and uh, totally ripped apart the old regime. So that at least brought a smile to my face. Even though the Bulls are absolutely sucking on the core right now, 
Uh, go check uh, the article I read was at Bleach for Nation. But go go check out that podcast. I think that's with like Tony Gill and Casey, Rob Schaefer, and Jason Goff. I think all those guys had Thad Young on, and Thad Young basically just took a torch to uh, yeah, Jim Boylan, the old front office. He said he was almost going to retire last year. Was so bad, like uh, absolutely hilarious that Thad Young just took the to- took the torch to all those other losers. So uh, that was again that at least brought a smile to my face uh, amid all this bull sadness these la- this last week. I don't know if either any of you guys listened to that or read any, read about any of that. Yeah, I read I read the quotes. I still need to listen to the podcast, but good for Thad. We love you, Thad. Yeah, I just pulled it up. I, this that's what I'm going to pivot to right after this. <laughs> that's nice. incredible. Yeah, the, I, yeah, I haven't listened either, but just like reading the quotes, reading the write up on Bleacher Nation, uh, absolutely amazing stuff. I I actually had just listened to to the Thad thing uh, a few hours ago before uh, you guys started uh, this room and. Yeah, he's a uh, pretty uh, matter of fact about it. Just that he, uh, I think the biggest thing that he talked about was that um, he didn't feel like he had, knew what the direction of the team yeah. was. And he went in and talked uh, to Boylan directly and was like, what are we doing? Are we trying to win or are we trying to develop? And, uh, you know, Boylan was like, we're trying to do both. And he said, I've been in the league a long time, basically, and I know that you can't really do both. <laughs> uh, he, he didn't quite say it that way, but that was the gist of what he said. And uh, uh, so he just felt like he'd never got a real good um, answer on that. And he just said he felt like the team was directionless. And like obviously he felt like he was misused because um, he had like one of the worst seasons of his career. And he thought about retiring. Um, and, uh, yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> he said, the, the, the one line that made me kind of like cringe on behalf of Jim Boylan was he said that, um, that, uh, not every, not everybody is built for every situation. <laughs> and it, like, I don't know that it was, uh, that it was meant to come off as, as mean as it sounded. But when he, when he said that, I was like, Oh man, <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I think cause he, he went on to elaborate that like, you know, may, there are other, there are other teams or other organizations or other personnel groupings that maybe he would have, uh, gelled with more. And he, he did say that like Boylan obviously cared a lot, um, but he just basically said this guy was in over his head, but he didn't actually use those words. Yeah, basically just reiterating everything that we read, heard, just that it's complete boob. The care factor was there, just the rest of it. Not so much. Uh, we'll leave with this last question from Kevin, just asking about the play-in. Uh, if they played the Pacers in the play-in, do you like them to win that game? At this point, I can't against a healthy Pacers team. I would be surprised if the Bulls won. I know the Bulls have beat the Pacers a couple times. The last game, the Pacers were not healthy. The, the other game before that, I think they also might have been missing somebody. And Sabonis had one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. I think right now, if the two teams were to play and they were both healthy, I would probably pick the Pacers in that game. I think Ricky, you might have even said that earlier that would you what would you pick real quick in that game i would pick the pacers for yeah sure. i i probably would as well uh so yeah we'll see what the, the bulls are i think i think they're two games up right now on the it's either two or one and a half games up on the raptors and like the wizards are right there as well uh i guess the wizards have it maybe the wizards might be a, even a bigger threat at this point the raptors are like resting kyle lowry tonight uh even though I think he's healthy, like Van Vliet's still out. I mean, they've just been so weird. But the Wizards have been like, I've been waiting for the Wizards to actually start winning games more consistently. They've just been super weird as well. 
so the Bulls aren't totally safe. I still do think they'll probably get the 10 spot. And again, their next game is tomorrow night. That's Wednesday against the Magic. So Vooch will be playing his former team. We'll get to see Wendell Carter Jr. The Magic are an absolute dump, dumpster fire tank fest right now. Like Wendell's like their best player, right? Basically right now. And like they're one of their top scoring options. They just got absolutely, they've been getting absolutely massacred for the most part. So uh, if the Bulls don't win that game handily. That will be very disappointing. So the Bulls should get back in the win column. Uh, hopefully they do. And then I think this weekend, what is it? It's like the Grizzlies Cavs back to back. I know we talked about it in the pod yesterday. I'd have to look it up again. It's something like that. So, I mean, again, some more winnable games here coming up for the Bulls. Hopefully they can kind of, now that they're back home, this, these, they had a few long road trips. Maybe they could finally, uh, start to actually win some games and play a little better, but, uh, that's going to do it here for us at cash considerations. Thank you to all the people who participated, Kevin Mort, uh, Justin, the other Kevin, all the uh, other people here in our comments asking questions. Thanks, as always. Shout out to the Blue Wire Network, Blue Wire Pods. Uh, check out all the other great podcasts all across the Blue Wire Network. There's a ton of them for us here at Cash Considerations. Please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. Or if you think we suck, tell us we can do better. Please please let us know. Uh, and you know where to find us on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky's at SBN underscore Ricky. Uh, so for Jason and Ricky, this has been Cash Considerations, HI Bulls Podcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com